From Yoga and Ayurveda Living, I am Kelly Marie Mills. This is The Dosha Life, a podcast for wellness seekers, curators of happiness, and lovers of healthy living. This podcast is for people interested in tools, remedies, and ancient wisdom coming from Yoga and Ayurveda. Welcome to my happy place. This is Series 4, Ayurveda On. You are on Ayurveda On Timing. If you have listened to any of the previous series or episodes, you probably heard me make sweeping statements about how timing is so important in Ayurveda and how interesting and amazing it is to wake up to this inner knowledge to our system. Did you hear what I did there? Wake up this inner knowledge. So that means we already have it, but it's asleep. A bit like Rachel M. Ross, that famous moment. You fell asleep? (laughs) That always makes me laugh. (laughs) Okay, so the truth is that we already know a lot of this stuff. But most of our lives have given us Frodo's route, where nothing is direct and many things lay in shadow or are misunderstood or mistrusted. And all of that is another session on the five activities of the mind and karma which we could often consider the dragon or wizard in our own story. So yes, since we are all here and Ayurveda is as old as the cliffs of Moor and the dunes of Danine, we should make sure to find time to quiet our bodies and listen to what is real and what came before we had a thought just a moment ago. Isn't it great? We know there is that moment with no thought, and that is the authentic life source. It's a resource. It's our resource. In that space, you can hear the truth as soft and unharming as a snowflake falling. The body doesn't tell fibs, and the heart can only express the truth. But if the truth is repressed, we are in for a wild, rocky mountain road. Timing helps us express our dosha's dharma, our purpose, and how to live in our best balance according to our karma. The wrong timing makes things a little bit more awkward and uncomfortable, but it doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it a bit tangled. Timing is also a big part of Joytish, the science of light, also known as astrology from India. It uses slightly different timing compared to Western astrology due to its belief system. But Joytish and astrology have always had disbelievers who slayed it without really understanding its purpose and correct use. There is the other side who enjoy it as a little hobby or a giggle, and then there are those who use it as a tool of reference. The year before this pandemic, many astrologers knew that 2020 would leave the world in chaos, or rather lead the world in chaos, and chaos could be assumed the norm. But they just weren't sure how it would play out. So they too were guiding people to strengthen their foundations of body and mind, do what they can to bolster their belief systems for what is to come. And that is a mild form of the use of the science of light. Coming from that, which astrology is a sister science to Ayurveda, I meant to say that. But for us today, we're looking at timing as another tool to create balance. The three doshas, remember, they are each a unique blend of the five great elements, earth, water, fire, air, and space. Kapha is water supported in the medium of earth. Blended together, it's basically earth in different states of earthiness. Not really sure how else to say that. Without water, earth is defunct and only destructive and inert. So it takes water to create its life-giving nature. Think of your tongue dry and a grain of salt on top of it. 
Until you wet your tongue, you can't taste the salt at all. It's the same idea as that. Kaffa needs the combination of earth and water. Pitta is fire, unusually blended in a field of water or oil or unctuousness in the body. And we call this acid. As we all know, fire itself cannot be present in our body in its truest forms, so fire shows up most obvious in our digestive system as enzymes. And also, no surprise, it's a part of our hormones. Bata is air, held or contained in ether or space. In our body, there is so much space. These spaces, of course, are filled full of vata. The largest spaces to fill are the colon, the bones, the nadis, the nervous system, and the mind. And vata also has a lot to do with the hormones, too. The vata is on the pizzazz side and not the actual hormone, creating arrivals and departures. Wow, too much of a recap? <laughs> Let me know. It's really good to have feedback. It really motivates me and continue, helps me continue to give what I'm giving. I am working on a larger project now where I can find ways to bring this forward for those who are much more interested in Ayurveda and yoga as a science for their own medicine. So if you're interested, send me an email or let me know. So we start at the beginning because it's a very good place to be. Babies. The cuteness of the pudgy wee cheeks and the blue-blue eyes of lightness and a strong sense of spirit and joy. Babies are everything to do with cycles, and cycles are owned by Vata, because Vata is time. Cycles are like the growth spurts, teething, puberty, aging every darn day. Yeah, these are all considered cycles like climates, like even weather changes, the cycle and timing of the day and night. Space holds air, and the movement of space and air together creates dryness, which is aging, and aging is time too. A life cycle starts with the movement of vata, having a deep, meaningful conversation with the subtle doshas, nervous system, and chakras. And here they set out their movement plan, their own mind map of how life is going to happen for this gal or guy, and the system updates. And next thing you know, the baby arrives, it's not quite that easy, but we'll let it go for now. Kapha owns all the beginning stages of life form, from conception until puberty around 15 or 16 years old. Even a project manager has to nourish the new project, his or her baby, from beginning till the day it goes live, that stage when it is ready to stand up and live out its dharma. Kapha time is our youth, and it's the development of cellular memory that gives us support for the rest of our life, or not. This should be a very tender time where correct nourishment is for the body as much for the balance of mind, emotions, and discernment. Our diet at this stage needs to be full of nourishment, so often the heavier foods of dairy products and maybe meat are given. Because of the diet's nature and the time of life for the child, it can create kapha disease processes like mucus, phlegm, swollen glands, and it is why childhood imbalances tend to be of kapha nature. And the main rule of Ayurveda, do you remember it? Like increases like. So kapha time of life, kapha increasing diet. If you live in a kapha climate, then that's a lot of, of kapha. And if your prakriti is kapha, you're going to be looking for some ginger in your diet soon. The early years are vital to mother the child. And kapha is the mothering dosha. Plus the child is in the kapha time of life as their body is building its basic foundational supports and lessons which is great timing. Pitta is in the middle of our life, and it is the longest cycle of the three. 
from late puberty till almost old. Since I am at the almost old stage, we do not use the phrase onset of old age, which is how Ayurveda describes it. <laughs> oh my goodness. This, this is a big stretch of time filled with, I still feel like I'm 35. <laughs> I know, I'm not sure it's that good or bad, but <laughs> this is a big stretch of time filled with the soul finding ways to intake information from the senses and experience life so that the soul can, again, bring out that experience and express itself. But the soul cannot really express itself so easy unless the personality mind will seek its dharma and allow dharma to be the reason for goal-orientated activity, or at least find it. Otherwise, our motivation is for the sake of a goal only and not for the growth of the self, not for the expression of our inner truth. But there's no right or wrong, and this is not a judginess at all through Ayurveda or yoga, but it is giving us a good reason to listen to the inner thought processes, to investigate what we actually really need to do, what we need to express. Pitta types in the Pitta time of life are super motivated and super ambitious and may even become aggressive and show Pitta type behaviors rising in all parts of their system. This isn't very helpful for self-understanding for a Pitta type unless they have a lot of sattva. Pitta problems become evident with angry acne, heart problems, or problems with anger, and behaviors that suggest inner disagreement. It just shows the imbalance to our very simple, natural rhythm. And some people find the correct time to seek their own inner calmness, and some just want watch and wonder, why, why do I need to seek anything? And others get on and off the bus, trying to find what it is that they are meant to do throughout their life. This is timing too. The Vata time of life is supposedly the golden years, and there are timely imbalances that show up after the age of 65, but the period of slowing down and coming into the older age group, Ayurveda considers 50. We start to notice changes in our likes and dislikes, and you see this is all due to timing. Our skin might begin to feel dry, or we might notice how we get out of bed, we might start cracking and joints become stiff, and this is where a good yoga practice can come in. It doesn't mean that you have to stretch and work hard for an hour every day, but basically giving yourself 15 minutes to 20 minutes to do a mini sun salute, to maybe practice forward folds, lateral bends, a tiny back bend. All of these just help to move the toxicity between all of the joints, including the spine. Even our internal clock begins to slow down, and we might notice we wake earlier and that we don't feel as much pressure, or we find the pressure far too much, and it weighs heavy upon us. Life is less gung-ho, but this time of life becomes more of a return to quiet kindness and the learning of balance between our outer and inner self. Vata time of life gives us the crown of the wise. Although, you hear that phrase sometimes, oh, he or she will never grow up. But actually, they will be wise too someday. But it could just formulate in a different view of wisdom than we would collectively consider wise. They will have learned from their own past in a different way, just as each of us do. And so the Vata time of life gives us the crown of a wise, and we should indeed continue to share our knowledge with those who will listen. We are the only ones with our voice and our experience, 
and there is room for everyone to voice their life in this boat. This time of life can create a sense of seeking for some, a sense of needing more understanding of even what they find is that they are beginning to practice pratyahara, drawing their senses inward and reflecting. But it is also a vata problem where we can retreat and hide and create an overactivity of mind with the mind constantly turning over and over or churning over and over and not allowing the thoughts to express themselves. So what we find in the vata time of life is that we're seeking a touchstone to stabilize our vata-ish behaviors. So it's a lot of information, isn't it? You probably aren't that surprised. But I mean, how much do you think these rishis thought about all of this stuff to come into it with such a systematic view? It's just wild and amazing. So now we look at the seasons really briefly. And the seasons are a cycle too, and vata runs the cycles and time, you know, so anything to do with that. So this is where this series of episodes is really about giving you ways to view your own life now. Even if you have to put up sticky notes all over the house, which I did for like two solid years when I was first learning Ayurveda. So the seasons are ruled by vata. And what's so interesting is that we're still using the main rule of like increases like, opposites reduce. So the Vata climate is sharp, cold winters. And in Ireland, it's a bit of a stab in the dark. Literally, we, with daylight savings, a huge bugbear of mine that I'll talk about in the spiel because of our circadian rhythms. But anyway, I'm going on. The Vata weather, the seasons show up from more mid-November till early February. But it gets a bit more cranky and hot and humid weather, so July and August seem to be the heightened points. Although, although really, we, we just never really know. We have so many Indian summers that September and April can be good, and May can often be good, and then May can often be terrible. In Ireland, if you live in Ireland or England, what you're looking at really is that all of the transitions of weather until it's stable those transitions are owned by vata. It just means that you have to do vata practices, eat vata-type foods to help keep you stable, if, especially if you are going through a difficult time. And then kaphas tend to get bullshy and sulk with all the dampness and cool temperature because that's just how their body is, cool and damp. So that also seems to be a lot like Irish weather. <laughs> but I think that kapha comes twice a year from February till June, and then that wobbly time between like mid-September to November, even though things do tend to overlap. We also get a lot of wind here, and that can increase vata, especially if the wind is hitting through your ears. Vata owns the zone of our ears, and so we really have to protect them if we're having a vata time of life or that we're having a vata imbalance at some time in our life. And you can help with that by putting a little bit of oil in your ears on a windy day, even just putting it on the tips of your small fingers and just rubbing into the outer edge of your ears. You never stick anything far in your ears. What we don't want to forget, because of like increases like, is that kapha types, kapha seasons will disrupt you a little or a lot. The pitta season will disrupt pittas, and the vata season will disrupt vatas. So then the times of days are also important. I know everything is whittled down, and so the times of day become important, and this is where you can really help your imbalances develop your awareness. And awareness is the larger field of living your medicine. 
it's that space to which we start to inquire. We start to look a little bit more deeply at our activity and what we are doing. Is it developing us or harming us? I had a very sugary croissant yesterday because it was the bank holiday. <laughs> um, and I had it in the evening, whereas if I had it in the morning, I think that I could have digested it better, but it was absolutely delicious. My tummy might be a bit um, ama-ish today, so it's good that I know this. It really helps. Also, the time that I ate it was like just after seven because I was working a little bit late. That also adds to the problems. And then I went to bed late too. I was just having a great time yesterday doing all the things. But that happens. There are moments, many moments in our lives where we're going to do things out of balance. And when I do things out of timing and out of balance, it's mainly because I've been feeling so great for a long time that I know that I can have these guilty pleasures. So when you notice your imbalances and checking your tongue in the morning can really help with the color of it. Vata disruption would be a shaky tongue or very dry. Uh, pitta disruption would be there's a coating kind of in the middle or the back of yellow or green, just a tint. And then for a kapha problem, then it's actually kind of white coating. And then that shows the excess of whatever ama is slowly building up. When you feel an imbalance in the day, you should start writing it down, mainly because, you know, if you do it like for two weeks in a row, you're going to start to see a pattern of imbalances that will help you identify exactly which dosha is the main problem because of the time of day. Because if the imbalance is showing up successfully every day at a certain time, that means it's not vata, because vata changes time. Vata arrives at different times, so vata is very variable. But the other two have specific times. So daytimes are the same times as nighttimes. They're, they're four-hour periods split up between the three doshas. Some Ayurvedic books state that times might start at a certain a.m. or a certain p.m., and that's only because of the differentiation between northern and southern hemisphere, but also daylight savings. And so it's very much an intuitive sense of self of what's going to work for you. And you have a lot of those tips in the first and second series. For my body and all the, the teachings that I have had, kapha time definitely starts from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then pitta starts to show off and comes swaggering in at 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. And then vata shimmies and dances in all light and life from 3 p.m. till 7 p.m. These are the same times it's at night, so you just need to swap the a.m.s and p.m.s. So if you think of when you eat breakfast, breakfast is always better to have before or by 8 a.m. and 8.30 at the latest. Our main meal of the day should be before 1.30 p.m. And like I'm even thinking 12.30 is a good time to have your main meal and a light supper so that we have this long space of time without eating so that our agony, how we digest our life, has space to digest everything. Because otherwise, as Ayurveda says, we end up eating our dinner late. We could end up sleeping without digesting our dinner. So we're not really sleeping, we're digesting our dinner and trying to sleep. And then there's no time to digest the day's happening through our subtle doshas, through the mind doshas and rajas and tamas and sattva. Here's the thing with timing in the day. So morning times, kapha is the heaviest. So this is another cycle, right? Kapha is the heaviest, so it's... <laughs> Sorry, my stomach. Is the heaviest 
at that time of day. So it's called provoked. It doesn't want to get out of bed. And it all gets better for a kapha as it moves through the day. So even congestion eases by evening. So if you've ever had a cold and it's a kapha creation, you're going to feel yucky in the morning and feel much better by 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. when vata has the time to dry everything out with the space and air. Pitta is a little bit wired in the morning and gets irritated or hangry, provoked by lunchtime. And then it starts to smooth off and find contentment after that. So Pitta has its strongest point at 12 in the day and midnight. And after those times, it begins to relax and then begins to start up getting aggravated again. So there's there's this relax point where the, everything is alleviated. And then there's the point where everything starts to get accumulated or to heighten. And then the point of getting aggravated or provoked. Vata starts to get aggravated at dusk and dawn. Those are its highest moments of times. That's the strongest times of vata. That's why waking at dawn can be really beneficial because vata is just waking up and just ready to receive all the prana of the new day of dawn itself. And so the strongest time of day for vata is the mornings rather than the evenings. After that, then vata starts to settle down. But just, I forgot to say that vata is highest at dawn and dusk. So these are points that you need to remember. If you start to feel that you're very overtired or finding fatigue around 4 p.m., that's because vata is a little bit overwrought and maybe doing some breathing pranayama would really help at this time of day. And in the mornings before dawn or around the time of dawn, it's great to actually just do tiny little soft movements or, you know, if you were wide awake, then you go ahead and do a sun salute. So there is a lot in timing. But it's all little bite-sized pieces, and I hope I helped and didn't create more confusion because there is a lot. What I was trying to give today were just the little cycles and how they can help us work with identifying any imbalances that we have. Once we can find the imbalances at a certain time of day, then that will give a clue as to which dosha is owning that or which dosha is in collusion with another that's showing up at this time of day or night. Just keep an eye on your timing. When my kids were young and they were going through this little phase where the three of them would, between the time of 5 to 7 p.m., they literally would go gaga. Then, like, they were, they'd used to play this game where they would jump on different pillows from couch to couch and jump off the windowsill. We had one of these houses that had, like, a three-foot wide windowsill where they had great fun nearly breaking their necks, leaping off it and jumping up on top of each other's heads and all sorts of hijinks where I would just close the door and hope that everyone survived. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, they were the cutest. They used to call it hot spice, uh, the hot spice game. But Later on, then, didn't I find out that this is the vata time? <laughs> and so if you have children and and you find that there's a certain time of day that their activity gets heightened, between the time of 5 to 7 p.m., this is the vata time. And one of the best remedies is a little bit of oil on their body in a shower. And it would settle them very quickly. But I was very aware of it then when they got older and kind of getting them to eat something at that stage to help bring vata down. Whereas an empty stomach at that time will make vata higher because then there's, there's more space in the body. Yeah, so uh, it's funny, isn't it? You know, and that wakefulness before dawn or tiredness in the late afternoon is vata very provoked or accumulating, being hangry or with skin rashes 
is pizza getting provoked, or at night with heat is pizza. And they all have timely remedies. But what I love is that we came into this world with everything we need to know about ourselves. Ayurveda and yoga can help for many of us who need a refresher course on what it is that we knew that we forgot. So take your time. It's all bite-sized pieces. And if it makes you curious, excellent. And I know that I completely plan on taking my time with these subjects a little bit more in the future. But for now, I just wanted to, do, to give you something that would really help you through May. Well, through, through every month. But May is such a great time to expand and open and receive. Like meditation, it takes time. And the first part of it is develop, developing our awareness with curiosity and kindness. And I look forward to chatting to you in the next episode. We have plenty of episodes to refer back to the remedies, especially series one on vata and series two on digesting our life with vata. Here you will find Monday's meditations, Tuesday's episodic series, Friday's relaxations, interviews with very cool people. There's spiels from Kelly, that's me, on bits that she forgot to say, very normal, or has to say. And Kelly's own are surprise bits and things that you need to know. If you want to help, the best thing to do is download the episodes. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, all help. Thank you to everyone listening. And let me know if you received anything from this that helped you. Let me know if you have a question that I can answer in this podcast. Biggest thanks to Leah Wilmot, who is the creative of all drawings and scheming. To Laura Lowry for her wonderful graphics. Most of all, I thank the Vidyas who have opened my mind and helped me to bring this information to a wider, loving audience. They also helped me somehow wrangle with my own capacity to deal with podcasts and production. But for now, I look forward to chatting to you in the next episode.